coming up on Over a Barrel. Four and five dollar gasoline. I don't think the national average is going to regularly spend much time over four dollars. We just have a really um, interesting dynamic. I don't know in my lifetime or yours that we've seen anything quite like this. Over a Barrel starts right now. Welcome to the program here on Over a Barrel. I'm Matt McLean alongside Patrick DeHaan. And Patrick, boy, I tell you what, we have a busy week that has taken place when it comes to oil prices, gas prices, and a lot of other stuff. But, you know, I'm really kind of keeping a watchful eye on really the oil prices and some other aspects. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about how you're doing first. Hi. Huh. How you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm great, Matt. You know, the weather's turned a little bit warmer here in Tampa and I'm, I'm, you know, I was wearing my Detroit Tigers spring training uh, t-shirt yesterday and it got me thinking like it's, we're rounding the corner here. This is really, you know, this is like the bottom of, of winter, right? We're in late January. So, uh, the sunsets are, are happening a little bit later. I, I, I'm feeling a little optimistic. Summer, summer's coming. Uh, well, over the past couple of weeks, I think uh, within the past 10 days of my present location in Kentucky, we were at negative three or four or five. And then yesterday we were at 61 because, you know, <laughs> we might as well have all four seasons yeah. in a 24 hour period. Uh, and today, uh, as, as of the time of this recording, I'm living in London fog <laughs> as well as 50 some odd degrees. So <laughs> I will take the 50 some odd degrees and fog versus the negative three and sunny any day of the week at this point in time. So, well, you know, and, and, and right. As the temperatures are getting warmer, the gas prices are still pretty low. So that may be as close as we get to, you know, summertime, temperatures with wintertime gas prices. I, I, I think, and, and I'm not trying to be too pessimistic here, but um, we're getting close to that seasonality that, you know, has us thinking about spring and summer also applying to what you pay at the pump. So um, we're, we're kind of at the bottom here and, and things are going to be looking up, but that also means gas prices are going to be looking up here shortly too. Yeah. So there's the question that I have. Let's go ahead and get right into it. So I am seeing some weird things taking place and I know you <laughs> always talk about it and like, this is normal, but I'm going to bring it out there anyway. So I'm seeing prices fall in my local neck of the woods. In fact, I've got prices as low as two fifty nine a gallon where I'm at. However, I am also seeing crude oil prices, if I'm not mistaken, Ooh, yeah. that have gone up and gone up in, in a not so tiny, teeny, tiny couple of pennies way over the past seven days since our last recording. So yeah. talk to us about all this. Yeah, Matt, maybe you should pause the podcast recording, run out and fill up because that 259 is probably not going to last. And that's probably the the um, advice I'd give to a lot of folks out there that are listening. If you're still following uh, you're still following a station that's below three dollars, I'm going to say sooner rather than later. Uh, we're getting into the time of year that uh, we are starting to see oil prices perk up. And some of that has been um the fact that this we're, we're we're getting into our seasonal mode here, where there tends to be a little bit more of uh, of uh, speculation that floods into oil markets. Now, keep in mind the Houthi attacks in the Red Sea have continued to dominate some of the headlines in the Middle East. The U.S. continuing to go after uh, some of those militant attacks. I think just yesterday or the day before, the U.S. military intercepted another um, ship missile attack. Um, and so that that continues to to provide a little bit of of a catalyst for the rise in oil, which, as you mentioned, Matt, 
Uh, Brent crude oil is pretty kind of quietly making an increase. We're at $82 a barrel now for Brent, which is more the international benchmark. Um, The U.S., our benchmark, the West Texas Intermediate Blend or WTI crude oil, that's also up about $1.50. We're at about $76.5 a barrel, Matt. So very quickly, the price of oil has rallied. But what's what's the cost behind all of that? Well, you know, again, some of that is the the Houthi militant attacks in the Red Sea. Part of it is the stock market. I don't know if you've looked at your 401k lately, but the Dow Jones has been hitting um, record levels. I think at last check at about 38,000 for the Dow Jones Industrial Index. Um, and and generally, the, the positive uplifting um, uh, factors also push the price of oil up. And, and I, I was also, just wondering if the uh, oil pipelines had froze. <laughs> I mean, now, now, I mean, there, there has been some of that and, and actually some of the time it's been natural gas. So, you know, that, I mean, you obviously, I I don't know how cold it got there where you are in Kentucky, but yeah, I mean, I I, I saw the temperature at my house in Chicago, um, at minus 10 Mm -hmm. just a couple of weeks ago. And, and and so the, the, the extreme cold actually did cause a number of unexpected shutdowns at refineries in Texas. And by the way, the refineries in Texas, you know, it it's kind of like somebody in the South um, doesn't have the proper attire for, for sub-freezing temperatures. Right. Like a Floridian that goes up to Chicago in minus 10 wearing shorts and a jean jacket um, is poorly equipped to survive. So it's those refineries in the South, right, Texas, that generally are not well-equipped for the sub-freezing temperatures, no, and it's a lot of those refineries. for a lot of extra heat in the summer. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's, right. and it's normal. Right, exactly. So, um, you know, it's the refineries in the south that are generally not prepared for extremely cold temperatures, just like refineries in the north aren't necessarily prepared for record high temperatures. So, that unfortunately did derail a number of refineries, which tripped offline, some of them because of power outages, some of them because of natural gas pipelines freezing. So bottom line is that that's kind of creating the catalyst for this this small uptick in prices. The national average as we stand here today is up a couple of cents from a week ago. We're at about 311 a gallon. That's up about a penny from last week when we were at about 309 and change. But we're, we're starting to get into the seasonality too, Matt, that California, by the way, just yesterday um, is already starting to move towards summer gasoline. Um, due to the nature of pipeline requirements, uh, keep in mind, pipelines obviously have a lot of, of requirements for what you can ship because the problem, Matt, is you get into the spring is pipelines don't want winter gasoline stuck in their system because it can't be sold. It can't be moved out. So refineries, um, generally have to start, um, moving that summer gasoline through the system. Winter gasoline is being purged now in California. California, by the way, is the first, area of the nation that has to move to these cleaner blends of gasoline. And it's required in Southern California already on April 1st, which is not too far away. So in California, the process of purging winter gasoline has already started. And like I said, that can take many weeks for that gasoline to move through the pipeline for consumers to fill up with it and to get rid of it out of the system. So pipelines generally have these requirements that cause summer gasoline to start moving through uh, pipelines much earlier. So bottom line here, Matt, is that summer gasoline is starting to flow in California. And in about a month, it's going to start flowing throughout much of the rest of the country. And so 
the next couple of weeks, there could be some, you could see some of those very low prices because refineries, especially where you are in Kentucky, we talked about this last episode, is is there's not a whole lot of options for those refineries to get rid of that gasoline other than to yeah. discount the heck out of it. So, but after that, Matt, we're going to go from clearance sales to the new expensive merchandise, which is summer gasoline. Yeah, so buckle and you don't, up. You don't obviously think of like a quote unquote clearance sale when it comes to, you know, gasoline <laughs> refineries, but that's kind of what happens, I yeah. suppose, on the on the side that the consumer, you know, you and myself never truly see at the local pump and what the gas stations pay for. But, you know, really, I mean, I, I doubt that they do the quote unquote blue light special or anything, but, you know, <laughs> um, it does sound like, you know, that that's kind of what's going on right now. Well, and, and some of the discounts, Matt, by the way, um, do get pretty substantial. In fact, in the Great Lakes, um, where some of the prices had gotten into the low and mid $2 a gallon region in Ohio, some of those discounts have actually been cut in half already. A lot of that gasoline in the Great Lakes had been heavily discounted. And through the Corn Belt and the Great Lakes, some of that gasoline is still discounted by about 25 to 30 cents a gallon compared to what other regions are paying. Um, for example, the Gulf Coast, the discount on gasoline is about 13 cents a gallon today, but it's over double that in the interior. And as we talk, talked about last episode, it's those interior regions where if, if you're in the Gulf Coast, if you're in Texas, refineries can simply put that gasoline on a barge and send it somewhere. But in the Midwest, you don't have that, that ability, so they have to discount it. But once that discount's gone, once that winter gasoline is purged, the discount's going to be gone too. And that's going to mean quite a bit of whiplash. So let's go ahead and and keeping on that sort of a same theme, um, I'm seeing some interesting things when it comes to the overall economy. And as you have talked about many times, the health of the overall economy kind of either drives prices more upward at the local pump or allows them to relax a little bit and fall depending upon the types of news that we are seeing out of the economy. So on my screen right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm seeing, uh, quite honestly, the polar opposites uh, in two lead stories. Number one, that uh, the U.S. economy uh, grew at a quote-unquote blistering 3.3% pace in the fourth quarter of this past year, while inflation pulled back. But I'm also seeing how larger corporations are laying off a lot of people, which would almost seem like the Mm -hmm. economy is not doing so well. Companies like Microsoft and Google and others talking about, you know, 9% of their gaming division, for example, they they are laying off and, and, and whatnot. So typically you only see that when the economy isn't doing so good. So I'm trying to figure out, um, what's happening here and kind of what your crystal ball is showing um, because it looks like the overall economy continues to grow, but we're having some, some, some yeah. I- I spots that are just, not. I mean, excellent, excellent points. I mean, it's conflicting data, right? Because conventionally you'd say, Oh, the, the, this is, you know, what do I believe more the, the, the GDP number or the unemployment uh, or these layoffs? He, here's the thing, Matt, I think, you know, prior to the higher period of uh, interest rates in the last, what, six to 12 months, companies had been doing a lot of mergers and they're continuing to do mergers and acquisitions. Microsoft being one of them and some other companies had, I I think it was, um, um, trying to remember the tech company, but they basically said Salesforce. Uh, There was a viral TikTok video of a woman that got laid off from Salesforce and they basically uh, said that they overhired, right? A lot of companies during COVID and 2021, when the, when the economy was, was moving at blistering pace, 
a lot of companies hired a lot of people. Um, and right now we're seeing businesses cool off some of that hiring, right? Because things have not, uh, the growth has slowed down. And so companies are, are number one, some of the mergers, uh, mergers and acquisitions are kind of going through what, what typically might happen. Doesn't mean it's any more fun, but after a big merger or acquisition, such as Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard in this case, there's, there's duplicate roles, right? And companies are maybe lowering expectations of growth because of higher interest rates. Americans aren't spending as much. And while the economy did grow, Matt, at 3.3%, that's quite a bit below you know last year when it was growing at 6 to 7%, right? And that's why the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates, because things are growing too quickly. Inflation is growing too quickly. So you can see both of these things, and they're not necessarily conflicting. You just have to you know, take them into context that the economy got, is still growing, but we're we're seeing you know some of the effects of of last years and the prior years overgrowth. Yeah, you got to really now kinda, companies are res- really kind of have to like di- you know dive into the numbers and, yes. and really start looking into it. So, and I mean, it's it's important to mention because that I mean the the pace of economic growth can really have a profound impact in the price of oil. And the conversation is shifting, Matt, because GDP is growing at three point three percent. That's part of the reason why oil prices are up today by you know almost two percent is because yeah. you know we get more of this economic data, and oil markets are a bit oversold, I'd say right now, meaning that that they're a bit below. Right, the market pushed heavily down in the last couple of months because of overall bearish sentiment. And I think that that is a beginning to evolve here. And and who knows, Matt? I think a lot of this gets back to psychology. People are maybe feeling a little bit more optimistic moving forward about the economy growing at 3.3%. And I was even optimistic about summer, right? People are people are feeling okay. Now there there have been layoffs, but the unemployment rate is so low that I mean, are these true layoffs? I think a lot of those tech company workers that, you know, in the LA Times, by the way, had an, a newsroom of layoffs. I think the economy is is resilient enough right now that most of those people should be able to find employment. And again, I'm not taking a position on whether those are good or bad, but you have to take it into um, consideration when you look at oil markets like our our are those layoffs the tip of the iceberg or is the economy generally moving in the right direction? And I think that's what oil prices are saying is that, you know, growth of 3.3% is is pretty good. It's pretty solid. And coupled with the, the expectation that the Fed's going to start cutting interest rates, Matt, I, I think the market is still um, bullish on prospects for this year. And, and what that means for the consumer at the pump, by the way, is that this was largely expected in our 2024 forecast that that demand for gasoline is going to grow this year, um, but we're not expecting record prices. <laughs> so you don't have to worry, Matt, about you know four and five dollar gasoline. I don't think the national average is going to regularly spend much time over four dollars. If you go back to our 2024 outlook, it may get there. We just have but- a. We just have a really um, interesting dynamic. I don't know in my lifetime or yours that we've seen anything quite like this because we have very high interest rates, which is designed to cool off the economy, literally by design. Um, You have a talk about possibly lowering the interest rates as a quote unquote soft landing that the Federal Reserve is talking about for later this year. 
it's really tough for markets and businesses to kind of know what to do at this particular point because you have thousands of layoffs, yes, in the tech side, Amazon, Google, a whole bunch of them. But also, we're still looking at historically low unemployment numbers. We're also right. looking at, you know, historically low other aspects. Um, and yet you have, as you mentioned, high interest rates. So a lot of these balloon notes for businesses, which provide jobs uh, where they have, were getting artificially or not artificially, but historically low interest rates on their business debt. Well, you know, about every three or so years that starts to circle back around and get refinanced just by its very design. And maybe from zero to 2%, you're now sitting at 7% right. plus. Well, that's a huge payment difference, which can create a little bit of a hiccup as well. So there's so much uncertainty is what mm -hmm. I'm really getting at. So it's really tough um, to kind of look. Spot, spot on assessment. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it is very tough to figure out, especially for gas prices, because gas prices literally go as the economy goes. So how is as you as an analyst? I mean, this is a very unique uh, 12 months. 2024 has is going to have to be quite unique. A, it's a presidential election year. And I know that usually doesn't mean a whole lot, but you also have a lot of that up and down, you know, tumultuous kind of like everybody's on edge. Is their guy or girl going to win kind of a thing? Yeah. Plus you have all the extra news of the high interest rates. Plus you have the certain amount of layoffs. Plus you've got all, I mean, you have so much out there <laughs> for an analyst. How, Welcome how to are my you, brain. Yeah. How are you not <laughs> losing it on a daily basis, Patrick? I don't know. You just, you, you look at all the things, Matt, and, and instead of, well, I mean, the, the beauty about being an analyst is, is you don't take stances on what's going into your head. You just use that as a guide, right? And you have to pick out headlines, which you think are more pertinent. You isolate the things that like, it, it's an incredible, like, where do you, where do you, where do you organize all these thoughts that are coming out, right? The GDP number, the unemployment numbers, all the economic news, um, it's that you draw on experience from things like that. And, you know, I was thinking of, of, you know, equating it to right now that the Fed has a bucket of lukewarm water, um, or you could say they have a bucket of, of room temperature water, right? That they're throwing on a economy that was growing at blistering pace at very hot pace. You could say it almost was a boiling economy. And instead of them throwing a bunch of ice or extremely cold water on the economy, they're throwing a bucket of, of room temperature water, which is not cooling the economy off a ton, right? It's not derailing it, but it's, it's cooling it down enough where inflation has really slowed, right? In terms yeah. of energy prices, it's really slowed. So, but it, it's a, you know, incredibly delicate balance. And, and thankfully, by the way, there's so much data, Matt, in this day and age that, that gives the Fed a lot more confidence to act in the way it's acting, right? They have probably millions of data points potentially that now they funnel them down into, you know, 10 or 20 very important indexes that they look at. But as an analyst too, you have to let the indexes, you have to let the data speak to you. And I don't formulate opinions. I take into, I take into consideration what the data is telling me and, and try to build a forecast based on that. And that's why it can swing because there can be a piece of data that could be very important, like housing data right now, right? That's ice cold. And if that suddenly changes, if consumers suddenly feel more optimistic, that could be a big input in a change that suggests a, a drastic change in consumer behavior. So, Matt, I don't, I don't know um, how how it all goes into my head. I just I feel like there's a vision that 
um, that gets spit out based on all the information that I I feed into this, you know, all of the economic data I look at, and that's where a number comes out, right? We expected the yearly outlook in uh, for the year had to be three thirty eight a gallon. There's a lot of input that floods my brain on a daily basis. It's kind of fun though navigating it all, and and you as a former you know, news guy yourself. I mean, you live to digest all this news, right? It's it's kind of enjoyable. Right. Well, in and, a way. And being also what I would consider a small business owner, like thousands and thousands of others out there, uh, I still have to have my finger on the pulse to kind of know what to do in business. And right. I can tell you as a business owner, you know, it, it a steady hand right now is very important, but also keeping your finger on the pulse is also not as easy as it has been in years past simply because there's so much out there to try to figure out what's yeah. going to happen and just the minute little thing that could derail one aspect of the economy or the other, not to spread fear, but just I think every business owner, be it a large corporation or a small business owner, are, sure. I think all of everyone is probably looking at that and going, wow, this is a collective hold your breath, but at the same time, try to keep business as usual as much as possible. Um, it is not an easy thing to try to figure out. And it is really difficult, personally uh, speaking, to try to come up with anything more than a 30, 60 or 90 day game plan. You know, in the old days, you'd come up with a six month, a 12 month game plan on what you wanted your business to do. Technically, you can kind of still do that, but there's just been so much craziness over the last several years that, I used to look back at right. my, you know, at the end of my year, I would look back and go, okay, well, at the beginning, here was my 12 month forecast. I'm like, no, there's just no point. There have been even a lot of shockwaves, right? Yeah. So as a small business owner, you've basically you, you know, since you, COVID, basically right. since COVID I mean, broke out, it's been crazy to try as to, a small to, try business to do owner, it. It's just so many of these numbers are just all over the place that you kind of throw out the rule book and say, well, we'll go back to, you know, growth and whatnot when we can navigate the current era of of just a, a lack of of predictability because you know you mentioned covid the shockwaves from that it was just the rule book's gone yeah and you're just you're just in it to survive and you don't come up with plans when you're you, you know it's like you're on the edge of the cliff your your one hand is off and you're about to fall off the cliff at that point you're worried about survival you're not like hmm how do i strategize the next 6 to 12 months you know you, you're looking at at falling off a cliff 100 feet to your death and it's like well at that point you're not like oh what am i going to do in 6 to 12 months after i survive Right. So I think we're getting back to that phase, though, that as as the Fed has been doing a good job to bring the floor up on that cliff. Right. That's been the delicate balancing act of how quickly to bring the floor up. They've been doing that. And so hopefully as a small business owner, you're getting a little bit more confidence that we are seeing a return to some level of normalcy after COVID, after Russia's war in Ukraine. Th those are still impacts. Right. The Russia war in Ukraine is not done. But the 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 level of predictability has improved because of, you know, as, as you navigate life, we learn more every day. And as the Russia war on Ukraine has continued nearly for two years now, there's more predictability than there used to be at, at what the outcome will be, right? The, the initial thought was, we have no idea if Russia is going to cut off oil. We have no idea what is going to happen. Now we have a lot of those answers. And yeah. the war continues but we still have a lot figured out. And now for 2024, instead of a geopolitical concern, it's almost just a, 
uh, both for and against a political uh, concern, you know, right. because as administrations go that in many ways, so goes your economy. And and what right. I'm getting at is, you know, there's there's a liberal and conservative viewpoint when it comes to how you wish for the economy to grow. And during presidential election years, uh, I mean, also the U.S. House and U.S. Senate, you have a lot of potential possibilities and or unknowns, uh, depending upon how the elections all shake out. A lot of businesses Absolutely. have told me that, you know, that they are, mm -hmm. what you know, concerned about one way or the other. And and it's all over the spectrum. It's not just one side or the other. It's, you know, it, it, our politics are, are I think, uh, very few people would argue are uh, are pretty extreme uh, at this point uh, on both sides of the aisle, so to speak. And and that creates a little bit of tumultuous, uh, tumultuous times as well, I think, in a business owner's mindset, uh, regardless. And so there's just that unknown and so therein lies the question for gas prices, as well as the U.S. economy, uh, the greater economy overall, when there's so much unknown there, um, it, it, it is a genuine concern on how do you move things forward um, to grow to grow the economy with so much kind of shaky stuff that you feel like is all around you on what may or may not happen, depending upon your political views. And so that is an area I know that both sides of the aisle share concern about. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, it, it's going to be a very interesting year later this year um, because there could be a, a large shift, right? If if um, if either side of the political spectrum, um, you know, has a major agenda shift, for example, if uh, Biden loses reelection and we see a Republican in the White House, there's obviously going to be a big shift in agenda, right? Because Republicans and Democrats do not see eye to eye on the economy and a lot of different issues, right? They're kind of on both sides of the spectrum. So obviously, if, if, if we see the election go one way or another, we're going to see a large shift in policy. And so that is the wild card that, you know, will be talked about in, in 2025, depending on who's in the White House. So, you know, there's a lot of the calculus right now, especially, um, you know, Matt, uh, on, on oil and oil production, there hasn't really been much influence uh, on the current status of things. Um, there has been a lot of influence, though, on incentives, right, on the trans, uh, transition to EVs. There's been a lot of incentives from the Biden administration on building infrastructure, on getting Americans into electric vehicles, right, tax subsidies, other incentives to get Americans to buy electric vehicles. That's the biggest wild card moving into later this year and how that could affect gasoline demand, how that could affect spending. So, you know, it, it, it's and you have to keep an open mind because you just really don't know what's going to happen, what Americans are going to say. You keep an eye on the pulse of the nation. Um, but there, there's a wide latitude for what could happen. But, you know, as we get into, you know, focusing on, on what is coming in the next 12 weeks, the gas pump, a lot of that's down the road. And the here and now is that we are starting to get into the time of year, Matt, that's very seasonal. Um and gas prices, uh, by the way, definitively now, it's looking more and more so, Matt, very clear to me that the gas prices have bottomed out in most areas. I don't think we're going to go a whole lot lower. Um, as we mentioned earlier in this podcast, there could be some clearance sales that push prices lower very locally, hyper-locally, hyper-regionally. But by and large, I think the trend is that gas prices have bottomed out for the year. Probably, by the way, this past Sunday, um, 
uh, when they actually the Sunday before this this most recent Sunday when they bottomed out at a national average of three oh three a gallon. We're now at three ten, and I think while we're not going to spike in the next couple of weeks just yet, I think we will start to see the seasonal rise starting in mid February. And and some of the cold weather, by the way, that we did see a couple of weeks ago has caused refineries to start maintenance a little bit earlier than anticipated, which isn't a bad thing. Probably better that refineries start, you know, in late winter rather than early to mid spring, because as you get closer to the mid spring timeframe, Americans start to get out more and more. So all in all, maybe not bad that refineries are starting maintenance a little bit earlier. Uh, If anything, that might mean that prices at the pump don't rise quite as much as anticipated, And, you know, again, this is another wild card, right, that nobody saw coming. The cold weather could shift our forecast in an unexpected way because refineries are doing maintenance in some instances before they were planning on it. Absolutely. I I just I'm looking at all of that and and I'm just uh, I'm trying to look at that crystal ball, uh, so to speak, in in trying to figure out how all of that shakes down. Um, are you thinking that because they are starting on it a little bit earlier, that prices will start increasing a little bit earlier than they normally do in the spring? You know, probably not a whole lot, because even if refineries are doing maintenance in February, Matt, I, I still think there's not a whole lot of opportunity for Americans to get out and take advantage of, of you know, lower gas prices. What I do think that could happen is if they're starting maintenance earlier, generally speaking, that means that they should conclude maintenance earlier. Instead of maintenance running into, you know, late April or May, they might finish up in late March or April. And that's good because the capacity at refineries is more needed in March and April than it is in January and February. So this is, like I said, that's a good trade-off potential that refineries are starting work early. Um, It could actually mean that gas prices seasonally don't rise as much as they tend to because the tendency is that refineries... The bulk of maintenance usually happens March, April. And if if that moves up to January, February, March, that's that's going to mean that there's not as much of a catalyst for rising prices if refining capacity is online. So I'm I'm actually optimistic that this shift is a a potentially a um a net positive in terms of in terms of it limiting how high prices go. Prices are still going to go up. Make no mistake. But instead of prices going up 35 to 85 cents a gallon between now and Memorial Day, it could be 25 to 70 or 65 cents a gallon. So all in all, it lowers the range of how high prices will go between now and Memorial Day. So short term over the next seven to 10 days, are you seeing prices because of crude oil prices rising? Do you think the gas prices at the pump will start? Yeah. Will, will, are, are you almost ready to issue uh, your 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 alert uh, for some kind of a <laughs> jolt or anything. Talk to us about that. Well, you know, uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, we did see gas prices uh, in Florida jump up this week. And I say that now because I can watch Florida very carefully since I'm down in Tampa. I filled up earlier this week for 287 a gallon and prices jumped up. It's a price cycle. Um, prices jumped up to 319 I do think that areas of the Corn Belt and the Great Lakes Based on what I'm looking at right now, there is the potential that they see further increases. But I don't think I don't think anyone yet, Matt, needs a alert about prices skyrocketing. The numbers I'm looking at, I think, will trend upward. But I don't think anyone really has to rush out and fill their tanks before an imminent spike. I think that could happen later in February and March, especially if there are unexpected outages. 
Um, keep in mind, California, especially Southern California, is a market to watch because they are making the transition the first over to summer gasoline. The rest of the nation is making that transition while the bulk of the rest of the nation starts the transition about a month from now. So if there's a time that you know there's going to be an alert, it might be late February through late March. We'll talk that. We'll, we'll certainly keep everyone very much up to speed on what we expect. But for now, Matt, I think it's going to be gentle increases, not drastic ones. Well, I suppose that's a little bit of good news, sort of. That's, that's a W. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's not the worst news, but you know, at, at this point, you know, we had, we had some period of low gas prices. This is not unexpected, right? This is, this is seasonal. Um, and by the way, if, if we're talking about being pessimistic about rising prices, Let's just focus on later this year in the fall, gas prices are going to fall again. So what goes up comes down and what goes down goes up. <laughs> well, um, that sounds like, <laughs> huh? <laughs> I'm not really sure how to respond to that one. Uh, and that's rare that, um, that is rare for me, as you well know. <laughs> Normally, Matt, Matt is without words. Matt is without words. Uh, I, you know, is, is yeah. this, that, that, that is pretty rare, but that doesn't you know, happen. It, it, it's not all bad. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, that's, that's a plus, I suppose. <laughs> um, so basically, all right. So we'll look at the prices as is and at two fifty nine a gallon, uh, which there is only one station in my uh, general area that is selling for that. The rest in the two sixties and two seventies, you're saying might not be a terrible idea to fill up. And probably for the most part, I guess, just about anybody else that can find prices at that low, because you're saying those days are numbered. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that makes me sad because I was really pushing for a buck ninety nine, just throwing it out there. Um, so yeah, that, that that makes me very sad. But nevertheless, oh man, you got to push for things that are realis- uh, realistic. I moved it from <laughs> that, that's like buying cents. a lottery ticket and saying I'm pushing to win the lot the lottery. <clears throat> I moved it from ninety nine cents to a buck ninety nine. I thought I was being realistic, Patrick. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, come on, come on. You went from hyper unrealistic to being just mostly unrealistic. I think a buck ninety nine is doable, but that's just me. Well, what hey, you know what, Willie, you can you can hold on to your dream. Um, I guess I guess I'm I'm somewhat of a dream crusher though when it comes to ultra cheap prices. Yeah, you you seem to be, and yet somehow we are still friends. I'm not exactly sure how that works out. <laughs> I'm not maybe, sure. Maybe, maybe there's just an ounce of you that thought maybe dollar ninety nine wasn't fully going to happen. Who knows? It's very possible. Well, I tell you what. In that uh, that notes. I guess uh, for folks who need to get into touch with us, what do they need to do and where do they need to go to send us their questions? Well, give us a shout out on social media, Matt. You and I are both on X or Twitter. I'm a gas buddy guy. You're Overbarrel Matt. The Overbarrel Show is on X as well at Overbarrel Show. You can reach out to us on Facebook, Overbarrel Show. Or you can shoot us an email to podcast at gasbuddy.com. A couple shout outs to some of our ex-users. Optimus Prime Rib, I love the name, by the way, was asking about our 2024 forecast, Matt. You can still get access to the 2024 Fuel Outlook by going to our blog, which is blog.gasbuddy.com. Navigate yourself to the press release from December 28 of last year. You'll find our full forecast attached there. Well, that is, uh, thank you for reminding us of all of that because that will come in quite handy. I, I have a feeling as the next several weeks go on. Well, tell you what, Patrick, uh, you keep enjoying that beautiful weather in Tampa that I miss so much. I used to live there for years, but 
you just keep messaging me and telling me how great it is. That's right. Palm it. trees and sunshine. I'll just keep enjoying my freezing temperatures and fog. So there we go. And cheap gas. And cheap gas. Cheap gas. For okay. now. There, there you go. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of Over a Barrel. Make sure you tune again. Tune in again next week. Uh, I'm Matt McLean. That's Patrick DeHaan. And thanks so much for listening. We'll talk again later. 